Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One and three. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the road is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn to set and sun. Let us talk of all the wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, Two ninety four, victory in Jesus. One and three. I heard an old old story how a savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. And then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He saw me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea. About the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He 
and all my love is to him. He plunged me to victory. He made the cleansing flood. Oh, hallelujah. Three oh four. Sweet hour of prayer. One and three. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's home. have to look forward to this song right here said it all and God we thank you Lord for your love and your mercy God through this terrible time that this world is is seeing right now before our eyes God we know our security is in you and you alone and we want to thank you for that be with President Trump as he tries to lead this nation God I know he fails every now and then, and he's going to keep on failing because he's a man. But God, we ask you for his protection, Lord, right now that anybody that might want to do him harm, Father, that you protect him, Lord. I know you put him in there. And we thank you for that because at least we can still come to church. Still, we have uh, the children being able to go to Christian schools, Father. And if it wasn't for Trump being in there, I'd, I hate to say what I think would be right now, God. God, you're still saving yes. souls. Yes. Thank you. And we thank you for that. And just thank you for your love, God. You've been so good to each and every one of us. Yes. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, if you have your Bibles today, hallelujah, we're going to go to it. I promise I won't keep you long. We're about halfway there already. <laughs> Somebody said we don't we don't gave you the political speech here at uh, Sunday school, right? We'll go to the Bible now, amen. James chapter number one. And we'll be in James for a few weeks. We were there last week. Today I want to talk about the wisdom of true religion. What does it mean to you to be religious? According to a current news survey, many people say that they believe in God. A large percentage also claim to pray every day. Many of these same people say they also attend church. But if these surveys are correct, and the percentages are as high as they say they are, why is the moral climate in our nation not improving? I want you to think about that for a moment. You've all heard those polls. You've seen the polls. 72% of Americans are Christian. Why is our country having such a difficult time? Why does evil seemingly have the upper hand? We're going to take a look today at James' epistle and see what it means to have the transforming power of Christ active in our lives. Many of these people, I believe, are just religious in their belief system. But true religion makes a difference in actually how we live. Can I get an amen? amen? Christ will make a difference in the way we live and the way we treat others. And these scriptures today should encourage us to reach out to those who are in need as well. We're going to look at this, these passages today in James chapter 1 and 2. And let's examine our lives, church, according to the Bible's teachings on faith and works. You know what that scripture says, faith without works is it's dead. Let's accept our responsibility to express our faith in God through loving service and works toward one another and others outside the faith. Before we begin, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today behind this sacred desk. Lord, to share your word with your people. Father, we are a needy people. We need to hear from You. Lord, speak to us today from Your Holy Word. Make it alive to each one of us. Help it to change us, Lord, to be more like You. Lord, let us be those who look into the mirror, but don't turn away and forget what we look like. Help us to apply Your Word to where we need it and to make change where we need change. Holy Spirit, help us. And Lord, I thank you for doing just that. Lord, please anoint me to minister today. I cannot do anything without your anointing. And anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive. And Lord, I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. We'll look at three main points of emphasis from our text here in James, talking about the wisdom of true religion. Number one, we have pure motives. True religion has pure motives. Not impure. James chapter 1, verse 26, we'll begin reading there. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Wow, that's a pretty strong statement. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself spotted from 
the world. Keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Purity, holiness, amen. True religion is just that. It's what we say, but even more so than just what we say, it's also what we what we do, amen. You know, how many know that we can talk a good talk, but if we're going to do that, we better walk the walk, amen. And really, that's what James is reiterating here to us and to all believers. You know, and of course, I don't know about you, that's probably my number one difficulty right there. You can't say amen, say oh me, that's the tongue, amen, bridling that thing. Oh my goodness. I mean, one little tongue, one little instrument within your body can can set the world on fire. Amen. It can just turn things upside down and on his head. Just speaking that word. You know, we can bless with the mouth. Amen. We can curse with the mouth. We can we can say all kind of wonderfully. Now, if we're going to have a, a, a true religious name, we're going to be religious. Amen. And you know, I don't like that word particularly, but it is here in the scripture, right? If we're going to be religious, we ought to be careful how we speak. Why, why do we say that? Because, you know, and you've heard this before, you and I as believers are often the only Bible an unbeliever will ever read. Amen. Yes. And if they hear us spewing out all kind of worldly nonsense and gossip, you know, you know we, we think the tug often, well, maybe you don't, but often we think of the, the, the cuss words, right? Well, that's also, you know, your tongue can gossip. It can tear somebody down. It can lie. It can do a lot. I mean, the cuss word might not be as bad as some of the other stuff people do with them. Man, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Come on. Well, <laughs> oh, bless God, I love the Lord. Let me go start talking about Did you hear what Joni just did over there? <laughs> shouldn't be named among the saints. Amen? Amen. We shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't do those things. And I, I don't I, I believe we, we learned to grow above that. Amen? Amen. But that's that's the kind of stuff that does go on. And if we're going to have be truly religious before the Lord, we need to have pure motives and we need to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. Secondly, we see the uh, apostle talking about partiality, showing partiality. If we flip over to chapter 2 and verse 1, of course, we see James addressing the church. How do we know it's the church? By the language he's using. Brothers, my brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. King James says, respect of persons. Don't show favoritism. And look down at verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him. But you have insulted the poor and not the rich who are exploiting you. Who's the ones exploiting you? The rich. What does he say? They are not are they not the ones dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him by whom you are belonging to? It's usually the, it's usually that way, isn't it? The rich oppress the poor. Because they don't have the same advantage. You know, I like the fact that we call for gun control in the United States when things happen, right? But the same people call for gun control, they got an armed guard protecting them. Hello, these politicians are not worried. Amen. Amen. Take a 
take away the armed guard, their guns. See if they call for gun control. In other words, you can't protect yourself, and that's how they want it to be. But but they can protect themselves. Absolutely. But if Governor so and so or Senator so invites you over, you are treating with dignity. I'm not going to treat him any different than I treat anyone else. That's right. And that's what the scripture says that we are not to show partiality. Well, you know, I I should be very careful what I say. I don't want to offend the donors in the church. They might not put nothing in the plate. What happens when we live that way or we act that way? That's why we're in the shape. Just look around, ladies and gentlemen. It walks like a duck. Talks like a duck, quacks like a duck. It's got to be a duck. Amen. Don't show partiality. But we're going to, you know, just uh, be nice to those who are. You know, what good is it to bless or help somebody who can pay you back? What about doing that for somebody who can do nothing for you? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Everybody scratches the back of the one that's going to pad their palm at some point in time. Oh, yeah, payback's coming. I'll know they'll do something for me. Isn't that how the world operates? We're to be unspotted or keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. You know, we talk about some things that are tough sometimes in Sunday school, but you know, I don't want you to be polluted by the world. We're living in a, according to the Bible, a world that's hostile towards God and the truth. You notice they allow every other religion to exercise their their rights, but you cannot exercise your rights as a Christian. Think about that for a minute. You want to put that to the test? Uh, Do a book report on the Bible. Do a book report on Islam or the Quran. See which one is accepted, the other one is rejected. Think about that for a minute. That's in the paper and drudge report this week. <coughs> we want to take the God of the Bible out of our public life. But nothing said about the other beliefs. You know, we how many how many read about the satanic statue they put up in Michigan? Did you hear about that? Man, that's cool. That's all right. We can do that. But the Ten Commandments, the statue in Illinois in the courthouse, the Ten Commandments had to come down. Now what, what, what is that? That's showing what? Partiality. Congress shall respect no religion. Isn't that what that? Make no laws to respect any religion. Isn't that what the Constitution says? Oh, that's right. If the people don't know the Constitution, then they can just do what they want. Right. But in the church house, how should that be? We're to love who? Everybody. 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 Does that mean we accept everything? No. 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 But that you can. You know, I can. I can love someone who I disagree with. You know why? You know why? Because God loves me, and I've been very disagreeable to Him. I dare say you probably have too as well. But He loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? And if He loves us, we can certainly 
with Him in us, love others. Amen. And uh, that's really the agent of change. For it, it changed my life some almost 40 years ago. Coming to faith, seeing people walking out and living the Bible. I mean, I thought they were nuts and crazy. But I realized they had something I didn't have. Joy and peace. Righteousness. And that convicted me and brought me to a place where I, I called upon the Lord and He did something wonderful in my life. I saw true religion in action. Amen. But we're not to show partiality. We're not to think of others better, uh, one group better than the other. We're to love all the same. And you know why? Because that's how God is. You ever been on top of the world, so to speak? Everything going good? Just hang in there, you'll be where? Down. You'll be down. Now, but if you're down, just hang in there. Why? You go up. Eventually, you're going to go up. Amen? You know what we need to learn is to be able to be abased and learn also to abound. Amen. And realize that God loves us when we're down and He loves us when we're up. Amen. And uh, I like being up. How about you? Amen. I seem to spend more time down than I am up. But I do like it when I'm up. Hallelujah. We learn when we're down. Humility. And and God begins to change our nature, our character. Go back to last week's message. Amen. That's where we learn those things through the trial. But then He doesn't keep us there. He allows us to climb up on the mountain and enjoy that for a while. What happens normally when we're up high? Big head. We get the big head. <laughs> we get the big head, or we get overconfident, or we take for granted. You know, that's really one of the biggest sins that we have to deal with, particularly in the West. I mean, we, we, we take for granted all of the things that we have good for us. You know, I mean, how many remember? Some of you are too young. I know you're not going to remember, but how many remember when you was a kid and you went to the grocery store? You, you saw all the stuff you see today. You didn't, did you? You just see half of what you see today. We go to the market, get some meat at the butcher, and then go to the baker, get some baked good. Then you go to vegetables down at the. We walk in now. We got the super supermarket. We take it for granted because it's just always been there for for most of us. When we look back. You know, I remember my, my grandparents used to, and they're long gone, amen, in terms of being here on the earth. But I loved them dearly. They were good folks. But they'd give me the old story. You know, bless God, when we was young, we, we ate dirt for dinner. Mama would boil a rock, and we call that soup. Used to walk to school every day, five miles a day. Uphill both ways. Yeah. Like, man, I'm glad I didn't live back in them days. <laughs> man, they really had it rough. The roads went up and down on But it was the, the difficulties and the striving that made them better. And they appreciated what little they had. You remember as a child, my little girls do it now, don't you? Don't you there, Nay? I know Allie does. You wake up on Christmas, run over to the stocking, 
And what was in the bottle of that stocking? Orange. Yeah, orange. <laughs> Somebody said, man, y'all weird people, man. Y'all crack for it. Why did they have a, why did we do an orange in there? Well, I had a grandmother lived in the South. And uh, this is when they only had railroad cars. They didn't have a road trucking network. And once a year, the, the, the citrus fruit would come in from Florida at the local market. And you know, if, if you have a child in elementary school today, uh, you probably know that your kid will, at this, not that time of year, will sell a box of oranges. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Because that's when they come in season, I, I assume. And uh, But they would get those, and it was such a treat to have an orange that they would buy it for their children and put them in the stock. Oh, yeah. And uh, they did that for my mom, and my mom did it for us, and we did it for our kids. And, uh, so it just kind of become a little bit of a tradition. But that was such a, and that's all they got. They might have had some nuts in there, peanuts or something, you know, and, and an orange. And they would just go ballistic over that. Man, this is, oh, oh. What would happen if you gave a kid that today? Now, if they're young enough, you know, they don't know. They just have they they play with the box, amen. They just that's a good thing. Put put about 10, 10 years on, they'll they'll, they'll probably say something to you. What, what in the world are you doing there? That's crazy. We come a long way in terms of appreciation and uh, learning to be content. Uh, they, they had very little. They were poor. They were poor. You know, there's always poor people. There's always what you call rich people. But like James is saying here, you know, they, they weren't poor. In, in the, the rich were poor in faith, but the poor had good faith. You know, that's how God often works. Why, why do you think it is that way? I had a sociology professor... Professor of Sociology. He was educated beyond his intelligence. And he loved to tell me there was no God. There is no God. And I'd argue with him because that's what young men do. You know, we argue with him and I'd prove him wrong and then, then he would use big $20 words and make me look stupid, you know. But uh, I'd, I'd argue with him anyway. There is no God. He was so educated and so sure. And he said, he said, Mr. Carrick, let me tell you something here, young man. The only people who follow the Christian are poor people who have no way to get by. And God is a crutch for you poor folks. And I thought, man, he just, I think he insulted me. I think he just insulted me. Yeah, they were the intelligent. But do you know what? He didn't insult me. He just he just told the truth. Amen. If, if, I, if, if God is a crow, you know what? I, I am crippled. I do need somebody to help me walk. Somebody to help me live right. And, and you know, I do rely upon Him. But you know what? I, I, I'm glad I do because He's a good God. I believe in Him fully and 100%. And I feel sorry for you, but you know... I used to tell them I'm praying for you. That'd make him mad, you know. I'm praying for you. Don't bother. Don't waste your time. I'm praying for you. Well, you know, here was a man had plenty of money. He was wealthy. He was well educated. He had everything he needed. A big house in the suburbs. 
but he was poor. I was the one who was really rich. But if you look on the outward, what's the script say? Man looketh on the outward, but God seeth the heart. And God is saying here, a lot of these poor people that you're looking down upon, wrongly so, church, that's what He's saying, they're the ones who are rich in faith toward me. They're the ones who are really blessed. He said, don't show partiality. Amen. Secondly, we're told to love others. Look at verse 8. If you... If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, that's the royal law, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. In other words, you're not going to do right. How are we to treat our neighbor? Just like we want ourselves to be treated. You ever get in a situation where you don't know what to do or, 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 or what position to take? Just act the way you would want someone to act toward you. You'll never go wrong. <laughs> You'll never go wrong. Just treat people well. Now, some people will bound to determine they're not going to like you one way or the other, but that's okay. Just love them. Treat them the way you want to be treated. And it'll do well for you. And it'll please the Lord. It'll please God. You know, I've had people that don't like, like that professor didn't like me. But I wasn't going to show disrespect. And uh, I disagree with him. You don't understand. But uh, I still called him sir. Yes. And... Uh, we just leave it at that. Favoritism is a sin. That's what it says in verse 9, right? Verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law and breaks and stumbles in just one point is guilty of breaking it all. And he's going to show us here that there is a legality in the Bible, but there's something greater than that. There's something greater than just adherence to the law. And we're about to see that here in the next verse. Verse 10, for whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles in one point is guilty Look at verse 12, I'm sorry. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without what? Mercy. Mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. Want to come down on somebody? Want to be hard on somebody? Your neighbor? Who's your neighbor in the Bible? Love your neighbor as yourself. Who's he talking about? Everybody. Who, who is your neighbor? You just said. Everybody. Everybody. Everybody's your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to judge somebody, what does he say? You better be careful how you judge somebody. You ever seen those, uh, are you, you dirty, rotten, filthy, you know, you know. Man, don't do that. I ain't never doing that. Unless it's a Democrat, right? We do that. That's inferred Hezekiah. If you believe that, I'll keep on. That was a joke. I'm sorry. If we judge others harshly, God is saying, I'm going to judge you with the same harshness when you stand before me. I don't think I want that. I'd rather be kind to somebody and, and, and do everything I can to overlook something that they've done that might be... I sure hope they overlook me. Come on. Amen. Well, you know, they didn't, uh, they didn't speak very well to me the other day when I... Uh, they didn't shake my hand, you know that? I'm just getting so funny, man. Huh? 
sin, with sin, when it, it, it bears its fruit, just brings death. And uh, if God didn't act within human affairs and within individual lives from time to time, we would, there would be no human race. I think you could probably see that if you look around today. Man is just too crazy to, to be left to his own devices. Moving on here, faith in action. Uh, verse 14, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds, or no works, or no actions? Can a man's faith save him? That's just empty word. Dead faith, correct? Like dead wood. That's like a dead fish. You ever seen a salmon? During season, spawning season, what do they do? They go right upstream, don't they? Through the current, against the current. They jump up over obstacles and they, they are bent and, and bound to get to where they need to go so that they can reproduce. Sort of like teenagers, you know what I'm saying. That was a joke, I'm just kidding. Man. I don't believe that preacher just said that. i got to keep you awake, you know what I'm saying. But they go through all kind of motions to get to the goal that's against their current. You know, it doesn't take, it takes great effort to do that, but it doesn't take any effort whatsoever for a dead fish to float downstream. That's right. Faith in action is going, is determined, is going to go over the obstacles to get to the goal. It's going to do what it has to do to get there. Whereas faith with that's just words is just like a dead fish floating downstream, does nothing. Yes, I'm going to, you know, do this and do that, and I'm going to, and they do nothing. You think God's happy with that? That's no, just empty bravado, right? Look what he says here. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And he goes on and gives us the the illustration of Abraham. Who used to be called Abram. Abram. That's a good name. Amen. Yes. Somebody say amen. Got one amen over here. Come on now. Abram. Amen. And then he named him Abraham, meaning the father of many nations. Amen. He was a father, exalted father. I think that's what Abram means. And that goes from exalted father to father of many nations. Amen. He says this, and this, this is why he's part is our spiritual father as well. He says, when our ancestor Abraham considered, was he considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? He was. Was he not considered righteous? Yes, he was. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. You know, we need to be the same way in our walk with God, and our walk and our faith with Christ has to be. Uh, together just like that. Our works and our faith need to come together. In verse 23, the Scripture says, and it was fulfilled that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. See, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Not by just saying, you know, I'm a Christian. Well, if you're a Christian, you don't have to act like one. Amen? Or you're really not. One. Come on. That's what he's saying. Now Abraham, here's what he did. Think about this for a minute. This is powerful when you, when you act, look at a man's faith. God told this man, spoke to him personally, said, Abraham, I want you to take your son 
your only son. I want you to take him at his eyes up to this place that I'm going to show you. Mount Moriah. He said, I want you to put the wood on his back. Take the boy up there and bind him to an altar that you will build. And I want you to take out a knife and I want you to slay that boy and offer him up a burnt offering to me. Well, wait a minute. Now that don't sound like God. I would be questioning, was that God? Is that really? Is that you? God, you, you done told me already that my son Isaac, who was a miracle getting here, and you got him here for me, was going to bless all the nations of the world. He was going to be my, my heir. Now you're telling me to kill him and offer him up to you. What did, what did Abraham do? Did he fuss with God? Did he, he knew it was God. You know when God talks to you, you know who it is. You don't have to question that. I mean, believe me, you will know. If you haven't had an encounter personally with it, I have. I had one time all I need. I knew who exactly who it was. Amen. Amen. Yes. Now, what was faith and works for Abraham? What was the what was the correlate correlation there? You obeyed. That was the showing that he had faith, his obedience, but what you, what you have to see here is this. Abraham took God at his word. He said, okay. They had a relationship with him. He said, if I take the boy that he promised would be the promised seed for the whole, he would be the... And I take him up there and he tells me to kill him, which he just did. And I kill him. Which I assume is what I'm going to do. Because I'm bringing everything. I'm bringing the wood. I'm bringing the cord. I'm bringing the boy. I'm bringing the knife. I'm going to the spot. I just believe God's going to raise him from the dead right there on the spot. Because he won't have me kill him for nothing. He's going to have to raise him from the dead. Now how do I know that? Go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. It tells you just that. That Abraham believed God would raise him from the dead. That's faith. That's faith. He believed God. That's faith. His works were what? He did exactly what God told him to do. He got the boy up there. The boy, the boy. we talk about a boy, he was about 40 years old, I think, at this time. He was big enough to overpower the old man. Say, man, I'm not laying down on that cross. You've got to be out of your mind. You're not going to kill me on that wood. You, you, what are you doing, Pops? Come on, man. Big strapping man like that? An old man? What did, I, what did Isaac do? He obeyed the old man. He, he, he submitted to him. What, what was God orchestrating? What was God showing us as believers in that story? Faith and works. And what the story illustrates is just exactly, you know, God would never ask you to do something you wouldn't do himself. Now you know the story. He got him up on the altar, bound him to the altar. He raised the knife. He was about to plunge the knife into the boy. And, and, and the angel said, what? Spare not. Don't, don't, don't slay the boy. Then there was a ram caught in the thicket at that time. He said, offer the ram instead. Spare the boy. I know that you believe God. He was going to kill him. And that God took his faith all the way to that level. He stopped it. Now here's what he, here's what he was illustrating. 
some 2,500 years later, God, our Father, who spoke to Abraham and told him to do that, would send His Son to the earth. And He would take His Son after meeting with Pilate, being condemned to death for a crime he did not commit. An innocent man put to death. They put the wood on him and he carried that cross of Mount Moriah to the place of the skull called Golgotha. That's the exact spot where God told Abraham to take Isaac. So some 2,500 plus years later, God put the wood on his son, sent him up on the hill, and didn't spare the night. But let his son take all your sin and judgment upon himself on the cross on that tree. On that hill, God slew his only son as a sacrifice for your sin and mine. The propitiation, the only sacrifice God would accept the sin so that through faith in Him. Now what was unique about Jesus? He was a man. How many know that? But He's the only one who was a man 100% and God 100%. If He was just a man, He couldn't die for all men or for all time. He had to be God. But He had to be you. That's why he was called the seed of the woman. Women don't have seed. Men have seed. Women carry the seed. But he was head or the father. He was God in human flesh. He was fully man. He got his humanity genetically from Mary. But his divinity was that he was the, the creator of, of, of all that there is. He stepped into human flesh to make up offer himself. He didn't ask Abraham to do anything he didn't do himself. And he didn't stay his hand when he turned his back on his son. But the, you know the Roman soldier took that spear and did what? Pierced him in the side. Faith has works. But what did Jesus do? Amen. He got his strength and his victory actually in the garden that night before. Father, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Father said, go to the cross. That's my will. He set his face like flint. They beat him, they whipped him, he didn't open his mouth like a lamb that would slaughter. He just took it. And he believed Father. Yeah, though I die, though I sacrifice, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Hallelujah. And he did just that, my friend. Amen. See, verse 24, a person is justified by what they do, not by faith alone. It's what they do. That what they do shows that they have true faith. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Isn't that amazing? She had faith. Not faith to get killed like the rest of the people of the city, but faith to believe God that He would protect them and she was going to do the right thing. Look at verse 26 and we'll close there. As the body without the Spirit is what? Dead. 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 So faith without 
deeds or works is dead. So we need to have faith. Faith is essential, church, to our walk with Christ. Amen? Without it, we cannot be saved. It takes faith just to be saved. But it takes more than a profession of faith if we're going to be effective as Christians in today's world. We have to have good works or deeds that demonstrate our faith in God and our love for people. Maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today about your attitude toward others or things you might want to do in your life to line more up with His Word. Perhaps your treatment of others has been less than Christ's life. Ask the Lord to forgive you and look for ways to love others through service. We need to be involved. And our faith needs to be active. We need to share that faith with others. There are still people out there that need to hear the Gospel. There are still people that, that need the hand of God to touch their lives. And you know, we are the, the mouthpiece. We are the hands. We are the feet of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. Let this Word encourage you today. There are ways that we can minister in our communities. We can join together as a church to reach our community. We can pray for one another. We can pray for those that are lost. We can make a difference, amen, if we just put faith and works together. Wisdom for true religion. We'll find it here in the New Testament in the book of James. Let's stand this morning. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.